You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This episode number 73, Pyramid of Lies. Lies! I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have... Paul Gann. Um, Jason? Yes? I've got some news for you. What's that? I'm joining the monks. <laughs> You're funny. No, I'm serious. I'm joining the monks. You're not serious. This is, this is a joke. This is a trick. You're, you're, you're just pretending so you can go along and get some inside information and you can beat them in the end, right? Right? No, I'm joining the monks. I'm sick and tired of all the stupidity of people messing up the world. I'm joining the monks. But I, that's... No, no, you can't. You can't join the monks. I don't have a gun. I can't shoot you. Um, I can join the monks if I want to. No. Uh, <laughs> it was not anything else within reach. I'm um, going to shoot with the sonic screwdriver. <laughs> I didn't have anything else within reach, so. <laughs> How's it going, Paul? Oh, it's been a really busy two weeks. <laughs> yeah, you could say that again. Um, I'm crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah, we... <laughs> It's been the work situation. I was out of town. I, oh my goodness! But but uh, it's like we're we're giving the talking time wars listeners. Uh, uh, we're we're like making up for lost time. They're gonna have a whole bunch of episodes within the space of a week, probably. And we've already released two, and now we're recording a third. So uh, yeah. I just hope it doesn't take two weeks to get this one out. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, be careful what you say because this is already our third time trying to record this episode. <laughs> Our second time today, so <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> hashtag uh, podcasting problems. <laughs> oh, hashtag why? But <laughs> anyway, we've got a lot to talk about here today, folks. Uh, we we have two episodes to talk about. We're going to be talking about the pyramid at the end of the world and the lie of the land. So because we have so much to talk about, we're going to hold off on your thoughts on some of these individual episodes and next episode we're going to be talking about your thoughts on the monk trilogy as a whole so be sure to respond on our facebook page or our facebook group if you want to have your thoughts heard on the trilogy as a whole because we really want to get your thoughts on that 
So we're going to skip that. We're also going to skip the news, which is fine, because I don't think there's really any big news that we missed anyways. And if we did, we'll catch it next week. talk about these sort of together obviously we'll go chronologically through the two episodes but just overall what are your thoughts on these two episodes well i guess maybe the trilogy as a whole but these two episodes in particular uh spoiler free thoughts i should say uh, okay uh the, the trilogy as a whole I, I enjoyed it for what it was um i really felt like that it did a good job uh, especially building and building and building and building toward the end um if i had a big complaint it would probably be that the ending felt a little bit anticlimactic for me um and we'll get into that a little bit more later but uh it's just i kind of felt like an after a three episode build up i kind of expected it to be like this big grand finale if you know what i'm saying gotcha and 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 that's not really kind of how it felt to me and and i don't want to be overly critical of it because like I said, overall it was a good story. It's just, it wasn't kind of what I expected it to be. And and maybe my expectations were not as realistic as they should have been, but I just kind of had this, this idea in my head of kind of how I felt like it was going. And uh, I don't know. It just, and, and on, on top of that, it, it just, it, it felt like that there were some unanswered questions that I really wanted to know the answer to. Gotcha. My spoiler free thoughts. Uh, I, I like this. I think, I think I liked uh, Pyramid at the End of the World a little bit more than I liked The Lion of the Land because there were some things introduced in The Lion of the Land that kind of came out of nowhere and I think would have been served better if they had started earlier, Mm -hmm. considering that this was a a three-part story. That being said, as a whole, I think it works together pretty well. I like it. I like the build-up of the the monks as a villain. I think that they're they're a pretty cool villain. They... I like the fact that they're, they're added to the Doctor Who uh, lexicon of villains. Um, they fit in well with some of the others, like the silence and that sort of thing. That being said, it's not my favorite multiple episode arc from the 12th Doctor. I've definitely liked some others more. The Zygon Invasion and Zygon Inversion episodes are still very high on my list. And then, of course, <laughs> the finale episodes from last season are pretty high as well. Oh, yeah. Although, again... yeah. That one landed a little bit weirdly at the end, too. So (laughs) (laughs) that being said, I enjoyed it. We'll get into more details right now. So let's go ahead and wrap up our thoughts on that. We're going to jump into the details. Real quick, before we start that, I'm going to give you the brief synopsis for both of these episodes and their details here. At a war zone in Termizistan, where American, Chinese, and Russian armies are about to meet, a 5,000-year-old pyramid stands. It's very strange, but one thing raises suspicions of the United Nations. It just appeared overnight. The aliens inside claim that humans would cause the death of all life on Earth. Soon the Twelfth Doctor, Bill, and Nardole are facing an invasion the likes of which they have never seen before. Before they invade, the aliens need permission from humanity. And then the synopsis for The Lie of the Land. The monks have ruled the world since humanity took its very first baby steps towards the sun. One problem. They haven't always been there. And only Bill Potts sees the truth. But where is the Doctor? And how can Bill make the rest of the world see? The Pyramid at the End of the World, 
was written by Peter Harness and Stephen Moffat, directed by Daniel Netheim, and was released May 27th, 2017. The Lie of the Land was written by Toby Whithouse and directed by Wayne Yip and was released June 3rd, 2017. Spoilers. Paul, let's get into this here. I just want to kick things off with the the humorous note at the beginning of the pyramid at the end of the world. (laughs) Bill is out on a little date, hangout, tea and chill, Netflix and chill, you know, date with uh, (laughs) with Penny. And she's telling Penny about the simulation of what happened last time that they hung out together that the doctor experienced where the Pope came out of her bedroom. (laughs) <laughs> and of course they're having a good laugh about this and Penny's like, well, that doctor, he's a weird bloke, isn't he? And all that sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden, uh, they're in through the door, burst soldiers from the United Nations, and the Secretary General of the United Nations walks in and says, Bill Potts, we need your help. And Penny just goes, can I take an Uber home now? It's almost <laughs> like a mirror image of what happened the first time. Oh, man. <laughs> But, of course, they need Bill's help because the doctor is kind of, you know, hiding away and trying to, you know, figure out what to do next. And they need the president of the world's help. You know, the doctor is, of course, the president of the world. He was elected that a couple seasons ago. And uh, <laughs> and she's the only one who can who can contact him in times of great crisis. They need a president of the world. and The doctor is the only one who can do that. <laughs> Well, of course, it doesn't matter that Bill apparently is going to end up being alone because of the doctor. Well, right. <laughs> yeah, there is that. <laughs> Who knows if Penny will ever come back after this? Yeah. Ha ha ha, the simulation. <laughs> that was so funny, the Pope in your bedroom. Ha ha ha. <laughs> oh, the Secretary General for the United Nations. That's great. I think I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, but here we have the Doctor, Bill, and Nardole being brought to this pyramid in this battle zone area in Termizistan, which is, of course, a made-up country because that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> of course, they, the sad part about it is that most people probably would never know that. Right. <laughs> right. Termizistan is not a real country. They just don't want to have a country where they can put, <laughs> I guess, uh, American, Chinese, and Russian soldiers all in one area at one time, because um, that's just <laughs> weird. Yeah. That being said, there's a lot of tension here, because I don't know what they were supposed to be doing, preparing for war of some sort. But now this pyramid is here, and it's ruined everything, and the doctor is brought in to figure out what, what it's here for, what it's all about. And we learn that the monks are there. A couple of things, Paul. First of all, what do you think about the monks now making themselves visible to the world after simulating everything. This is, this is their first foray into our world as we know it outside of a simulation. And then secondly, the doctor's still blind and he's not telling anybody this and he's thrust into the middle of that. Yeah. How does that all work? As far as the, the telling of the story goes, well, I'll start with the blindness. I think that it actually worked really well to have the blindness in the telling of the story because of how it affected different decisions and different aspects of the story. So I felt like that it was really nice to see that incorporated into this because it gave reasons for certain decisions to be made and for certain outcomes to happen. But it kind of seemed weird to me, this whole thing of the the monks appearing on the earth in this pyramid, which we find out later is a 
giant spaceship that just looks like a pyramid, yes. basically. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the thing about this for me was they wanted to invade by making us want them to invade. And that was something that I don't think we've seen before. And it comes off like they're trying to make it all our fault that they're able to take over the world. And I guess from the standpoint of um, other alien races and things like that, looking at it as, well, we can't hold this against them, you know, because uh, Earth gave them the, the right to be here. But at the same time it comes off as really, really weird. You know what I'm saying? It does. It does. It, it just feels really, really weird. And, and and on top of this, there's really not that many of them. No. They're really, you know, there's a lot smaller quantity than you would think there would be. Right. You know? Right. So you're kind of looking at it and you're going, okay, there's what, maybe 20 of these guys and they want to take over the entire planet and they want us to give them the right to take over the entire planet. It's just really weird, you know? It is. It's very odd. But, uh, of course, they, they come in and they're like, ah, but you will ask us to rule because yeah. only we can stop the impending destruction of Earth. And, of course, they get everybody's attention for that by tapping into everyone's clocks and watches and setting it to the doomsday clock, which is this right. uh, thing developed that um, keeps track of political and scientific uh, happenings. And shows us how close we are to nuclear war, basically. Yeah. And and they are adjusting that to count down closer and closer to midnight, which is when nuclear war happens. But they're using it more as a doomsday clock than, than just nuclear war. And the doctor, of course, is wondering, well, is this really happening? Is there something actually going to happen? Or is this a ploy? Is this, are they just tapping into all of this? Um, yeah. They went in the first time. Yes. And then after they went in the first time, they left and went and discussed all of this. And the doctor said, let's show them our strength through force. Yes. And, and, and so they send a bomber plane. Yep. And they catch the bomber plane in midair yep. and force it to land. Yep. And the pilots come walking out of the pyramid. Yep. And then they decide to launch some missiles from a submarine. And the next thing they know, there's a submarine nose down in the sand Yep. And and the people from the submarine come walking out of the pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Not only are they uber spooky <laughs> with their mathematical, mathematical, mathematical um, <laughs> simulations, yeah. but they're also uber powerful. They've got this high technology of some sort. So they're, they're just creepy. And it's like, well, can we actually stand against them? Yeah. You know? Well, the interesting thing for me is how they started intercutting the story of the pyramid with the story of this science lab. Yes. And it, it kind of gave you the impression that maybe these monks were manipulating what was happening in the science lab, at least to a point, because mm -hmm. they're watching everything that's going on in there. Right. Of course, we find that out later, but, you know, hey, it's a spoiler part of the show, right? Right, so. exactly, exactly. We can jump around <laughs> a little bit here. So, you know, it's it's really, it felt like to me that what ended up happening in that laboratory was something that they put into motion before the people ever even arrived to work there that day. It's possible because, you know, uh, the other thing, though, is that they, they've got this simulation machine and, you know... Mm -hmm. They've run all the simulations, and they could have just predicted this to be the day that this would all happen and all go down. 
you know, and they're just keeping an eye on it to make sure that this is the correct simulation that they're here for. On the one hand, I agree with you, and I like the idea that, you know, it almost does seem like they're manipulating events slightly to fit the simulation. Right. But on the other hand, is they've said that they've run this simulation thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Right. And they it could have been that they predicted this as the proper moment to be here and the proper moment that they could, you know, have a, a way to prevent. Right. So it's one of those things where it's not fully explained either way, so it could go either way. Right. And they just sort of leave that issue gray. Well, the reason I kind of feel that way, though, is because there's this one particular guy in this laboratory, and he doesn't just make one mistake. No. He makes mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake that leads to this outcome. And, you know, that's the reason I say that I feel like that they may have set these events in motion themselves because I honestly don't believe that this one guy is going to make this many mistakes in one day for this event to go down. It's, I mean, you're, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because everything that could have gone wrong for these two went wrong, particularly for the guy. Yeah. What's his face? Um, Douglas. Douglas just had everything on. He hadn't had any sleep. He was hungover, which meant that, you right. know, his, you know, thinking and vision were slightly impaired. He had some butterfingers, put a decimal in the wrong place, forgot right. his protective gear. You know, uh, it just he, he got the mixture wrong to begin with. The mixture yes. itself was the key element. If he right. hadn't got the mixture wrong, the rest of it wouldn't have mattered as much. Right. Now, normally, <laughs> what's her, Erica would have been the one to have put in the mixture. Right. But her glasses were broken on the way out the door in the morning. Right. So, yeah, it's just really weird. Everything it, that could have gone wrong for these two did. It comes off like the movie Final Destination, where it almost feels like that this unseen entity is doing all of these different things in secret. Right. Because, you know, in, in Final Destination, death is trying to track down all of these people and death is causing all of these little intricate things to happen in sequence to cause the final event to happen. And and so that's that's kind of how this felt to me, like a Final Destination type scenario. Right. The doctor, of course, is still blind. He's not telling Bill. He actually almost tells Bill. Yeah. He, he gets this one. He almost tells Bill that he's blind. But then, of course, something happens at the pyramid and everybody has to rush over and he's saved from having to do that. Well, he ultimately does tell her, but just not yes, that. Not that. <laughs> uh, because I think that's when uh, the secretary general and all the, the military leaders go in. Yes. And we uh, have the moment that the monks show yeah. these leaders what will happen what the earth will look like in a year. And this is another one of those things where I'm like, so you projected all of these simulations. Yeah. How do we know you're not showing us the simulation that you want us to see yeah. in order to make us do what you want us to do? <laughs> now, that being said, they're all shown the simulation. Everybody sees it. They feel the pain and the horror. and Oh my gosh, it's terrible. And the monks say, we can stop this, but you have to give the planet over to us. Right. Now, the problem is, is you can't just say, okay, you have to be willing to do it and to do it out of love because, you know, it's much easier to rule out of love than fear. And if you do not do this out of love, then your sacrifice will kill you. And then it's not actually something that's binding and they can't use it. So the secretary general goes, fine, I will do this. We will protect the world and, you know, we'll give it over to you. And they go, this will kill you if you're not pure in your intentions. And then they say, you do this out of fear. And he's turned into ash. 
there on the floor. <laughs> yeah. The, the, then the, the military leaders come back and they discuss it because the doctor goes, well, we need to figure out what this tipping point is so we can stop it ourselves yeah. so we don't have to give over the earth to the monks. And they try to figure it out. The doctor thinks he's on the right trail, but they're not finding any concrete answers. Yeah. And so the military leaders go, fine. This is our call. You're not even a human. <laughs> We're not listening to you, Mr. President. And uh, they go and make the decision to give up the earth. And uh, the monks say, this is not out of love. You're doing this out of strategy. And they, yeah. you know, the three of them just, you know, ash <laughs> on the floor. We're going to give up the earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. You do this out of strategy. You will die. <laughs> Oof. You're making me very angry. <laughs> All right. But the doctor and Nardol are able to figure out what's going yeah. on. They figure out that this is a biological occurrence. And so they shut down all the security cameras in all the labs across yes. the world, basically. And they're monitoring them in order to see which ones have the security cameras turned back on. Yeah, it's kind of funny because the doctor's like, turn them all off. And he's like, so we're going to blind them. And he says... Yes. He's like, but what will that accomplish? He says, just not allowing them to see what's going on, you know, is it going to stop their plans? And the doctor says, we're not wanting to permanently blind them. We're wanting to see which cameras come back on. <laughs> and Martel goes, oh. <laughs> So they figure it out, and they whiz the TARDIS on over to the lab with Erica and Douglas, where Douglas has already met his end because the mix of for whatever this was is way off and has killed him and disintegrated him. Turned him into slime, actually. It was terrible. <laughs> and now Erica is the only one basically left in the lab. She's trying to figure out how to stop it because the lab automatically vents out into the world every 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And if this gets out, then that's bad because they've left all the doors open on their way in to see what was going on. Yeah. Which, oops. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course you know Douglas had gone in there without his mask and so he got infected and you know slime <laughs> this is just a terrible situation the doctor of course goes in and goes oh I'm going to save you we can't stop the, the vents from opening because they're on an automatic cycle we'll blow up the gas and we'll sterilize it we'll sterilize the lab that's how we're going to do this <laughs> And seeing, so, seeing what this thing did to, to Douglas's body, I was thinking to myself, you know, this could be an interesting way to tell the origin story of the Ruthons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Ruthons, for those who don't know, are radioactive green glowing giant jellyfish, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Genesis of the Ruthons. <laughs> mm, there you go. Um, <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. The only problem is Nardole has been exposed, and so he gets incapacitated. He can't help. He's stuck inside the TARDIS. Well, it makes you wonder what would have happened to him if he had been exposed even more, you know? Right, right. Of course, he's not fully human, he says, but his lungs are human, so. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because he keeps talking about where he got all of his different body parts from, you know? Right, right. <laughs> I got oh. this hand from so-and-so, and I got that hand from so-and-so. Right. <laughs> Nardole, what are you? <laughs> the question isn't, who are you? It's, 
What are you? Well, we know he's not human. We do know that much because he specifically says, if I had been human, it would have killed me. Right. You know? Well, your lungs are human, so it might. Now get back inside the TARDIS. <laughs> your lungs are human. I got them cheap. Oh, now you tell me. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was great. So, so it kind of implies that the doctor literally rebuilt his body. Yeah. Like Frankenstein. <laughs> so, so this is Nardlestein. Oh. <laughs> anyway. oh, the doctor and his monster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> All right. So they're going to blow this up. They've got the charge rigged. It's counting down. Erica is over by the TARDIS. The doctor just needs to get through the lab back to the TARDIS. The final door, however, has a tumbler lock combination with numbers printed on it. This looked so classic Doctor Who. Yes. Oh, this this facility had large aspects of it that looked like classic Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> the the problem is these numbers are sort of just printed on the, the different knobs. And they don't show up on the echolocation feature of the sonic shades. Right. So the Doctor is in contact with Bill on her cell phone because, you know, she's like, I'm the only one left. They're asking me to give consent. I need to know what I'm supposed to do here. Uh, because, you know, she speaks for the president of the world, so the consent that she gives is of the highest authority, almost. <laughs> They're asking her for it. He says, no, 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 we've got this, we got this. We're going to blow it up, we're going to be fine, you don't have to do anything, now get out of there. And she's hearing now the conversation between Erica and the doctor about what's going on, how he can't see the lock. She's she's given him the code, he can't see it to do it, they don't have the time to work on figuring it out, and he finally comes out and admits that he's blind. Yeah. And Bill about loses it on the doctor. Yeah. She starts tearing into him, <laughs> chewing him up one side and down the other. You know, how could you be so stupid and all this stuff? And then finally she's like, fine. You know what? I know what I have to do. She goes back to the monks and asks, can you give him back his sight? Yeah. And the doctor says, no, Bill, you can't do this. And when she's given the affirmative from the monks that, yes, they can, she goes, fine. I consent. And this is done completely out of love. So the monks yeah. accept. She does not die. The doctor receives his sight back, is able to get through the door right before the explosion happens. The culture is eliminated, so it can't get into the world. But now we're left with the question from the doctor, Bill, what have you done? Of course, her last word to the doctor is, you better get my planet back. Yeah. And that's how Pyramid at the End of the World ended. This whole scenario. <sighs> what were your thoughts on how we got to this place? I enjoyed this episode. I thought that it was pretty well paced. I thought that the overall storytelling was really kind of entertaining. Um, I liked the way they incorporated the blindness and everything into the way they told the story. I kind of, I, I, I almost, I think the only thing that I might have a minor criticism of with this would be the way that they incapacitated Nardole. Mm. to just get him out of the way so that he couldn't help the doctor with the numbers. Right. Because I would almost rather he had not even been there in the first place, if that well, makes sense. Well, this is how you, you know? realize that the whole issue of the doctor being blind wasn't an original through line. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, <laughs> they get to this point in filming and they go, oh, wait, Nardole's still here. we got to figure out how to get him out. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> He'll be trapped in the TARDIS because he's suffering <laughs> From the, the culture there, yes, that's it. His lungs are, are human. That's it. We'll do that. <laughs> but, you know, 
I mean, it just kind of felt almost like that one part of it was a little bit of an afterthought as opposed to having it planned out ahead of time. And so if I had to take away from this for anything, it would probably be for that just because of the way that I am in my mind with the way that I like to see stories told. But that's a small thing in in the big scheme of this. Of course, we're not going to give our ratings yet. We're going to wait and give our ratings at the end. Right. But that would probably be my biggest criticism of this. Other than that, I really kind of enjoyed this. I I really did enjoy Pyramids at the End of the World, too. Um, it's definitely a great buildup. You know, we, we had sort of the prologue, if you will, with extremists as to how the monks operate, why they're going to be coming here, uh, sort of warning us, hey, this is coming. Uh, then we got this as sort of the first half of the, the actual action, the how do we get to the point where the monks have taken over and that whole buildup went very well, in my opinion. I, I thought it was good. The one thing I was a little bit irritated about at first was that we had the United Nations military force there and not unit. Right. But then, of course, when they killed everybody, I was like, ah, <laughs> they're not going to kill Kate Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, gonna... I honestly feel like Kate Stewart would have been a little bit more prone to have been doing something like that for the right reason anyway, though. Well, I, I think she would have just said no. Um, I don't think she would have. I don't think she would have consented. She would have just said, well, "You know, the Earth has had problems yeah. before. We'll figure it out. Get off my world." You know. Right. Well, she would be a lot like her dad that way. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, but if she were going to to consent, I think she would have only done it for the right reason, the same way that Bill did. Right. Um, I I agree. I feel like that that would be kind of in her character to do that, and I think you can see that going all the way back to the the story that we talked about before with the Zygon invasion and Zygon inversion how she got to the end of that and made her decision based on what was right and not what was strategic. Yeah. She's, she's one tough cookie and things would have ended a lot differently if she had been in charge. <laughs> so, oh man. But, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think she definitely, uh, there's a reason why she wasn't there because if she had been there, I don't think we would have had these two episodes. Well, I don't, I don't think we would have, if, let me put it this way. The way that I would have seen it go down if we were looking at it with with unit, I don't think we would have ever seen the third episode of this. Nope. Because I think what have, what would have probably happened, at least in my mind, is that Nardole and Osgood would have probably gone with the Doctor. Mm -hmm. And then you would have gotten to the point where the Doctor tried to send them away and Osgood would have refused to go. She would have helped him decipher the numbers and she would have not been affected because we would have found out that she was actually the Zygon. Right. Right. <laughs> that's, that's exactly how that would have gone down. My only other quibble, my only other you know quibble with this episode happens with that whole interaction over the phone because Bill is on the phone with the doctor and she's calling the doctor through his sonic sunglasses. And I'm like, is there not video capability? You got a point. <laughs> <laughs> is there not video capability to where he can transmit what he's seeing to her phone? FaceTime. <laughs> right? Now, maybe we would just get the echolocation view that we're getting. That, that's entirely possible. Maybe that's why that wouldn't have worked. But that was the thing that's, that went through my mind as we as I was watching that for the first time. I was like, oh my gosh, just FaceTime. Walk him <laughs> through it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> But maybe it would have only transferred, you know, transmitted the echolocation view. Who well, knows? see, I've seen things online, too, that we're talking about. Well, if he's blind, how can he see the image that's created by the sonic shades? And my thinking on this aspect of it is they're feeding directly into his brain. 
completely bypassing his eyes. They are. He mentions that at one point. I don't remember where exactly, but he does say that. So to me, that was kind of a quick explanation. That was easy for me to just, you know, bypass that and say, well, this is easily explained, you know. Right. But yeah, I I get your point, And I think that that was another possibility that that could have happened. Of course, then we wouldn't have gotten the third episode. Right. Exactly. And from comments I've seen, somebody might have said that would have been a good thing. <laughs> well, the, this ending, if it had ended right here, this would have been a really, very, very climactic ending. Yes. And I, I could have seen it ending right here, and I would have been completely satisfied with that, just to be perfectly honest about it. But they chose not to do that. They chose to continue the story. So let's move on. Let's move on to the lie of the land. And, of course, the lie is spelled L-I-E, as in not true. And we are introduced to a world where... According to the monks, they have been here shepherding humanity since they crawled out of the primordial slime all those years ago. Lies! Lies! Oh, lies! But no, they've been here, they've shepherded us, they've watched us, and been so lies! proud as we took our first steps on the moon and all this amazing things. They were there at the I Have a Dream speech lies! by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It's... I was watching this with my wife, and she says, I hope this ends quickly. And I said, why? She says, because I'm getting nauseated. <laughs> she says, this just makes me sick, just seeing this nonsensical propaganda. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of feeling the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it was. And that's exactly what it is. It's propaganda. And Bill is out there watching and seeing this. And they even go as far as say, you know, we've had people who resisted. And because they resisted, the monks have had to do away with them in the most humane way possible. And they show the monks killing somebody and the people watching cheer. Yeah. Well, you, you got a couple of different things going on here. And uh, Andy Pinkard, uh, one of our listeners, messaged me today, actually, and brought up this aspect of it. He said that there are aspects of this that remind him of things that are directly taken from the book of Revelation. Uh, that being the fact that the, the, the monks come in and they promise to be our saviors and then they become our oppressors. Uh, which is, you know, directly out of the, the book of Revelation. Uh, you know, you have people living for their pleasures, and anybody that goes against the the truth that the monks have made up become uh, victims of their wrath. So you kind of got that aspect. But then you also have another aspect that comes straight out of George Orwell's 1984, mm -hmm. in that they basically have the thought police. Yes. So if you if you think something that is against the monks. They find it out and they go after you as if you've actually physically done something to oppose them. Right. So there's two different aspects of two different dystopian uh, situations here that kind of blend together in this scenario to give you this the situation that we're seeing at the beginning of this episode with these monks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's, there's a lady that's arrested <laughs> because she's like, the monks haven't been here that long. They've only been here a couple months, right. six months, apparently, according to, to Bill. And of course, <laughs> this lady Jane is, uh, you know, hauled out of her home, you know, torn away from her husband and son and thrown in the back of a van for, you know, breaking the memory crimes act of 1975. <laughs> right? 10 years in a labor camp. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, what? So that's the thought police, right? Yes, that's the thought police. <laughs> and of course, the propaganda video ends. And guess who's been doing it? Yeah. The doctor. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't recognize the voice from right. the beginning. Right. The doctor shows up. It's like, <laughs> so, you know, this is the greatest thing ever. Yay. And of course, you know, that's when we get the, um, the title card come up and the theme happen and all that stuff. 
Uh, right. And then we find out that Bill has been, you know, wandering around trying to figure out how to deal with this for six months. And she's been resisting the pervasive thought that the monks have always been here for so long by having conversations with her, of course, dead mother. Yes. Um, and it's keeping her sane. She's basically telling her everything that happens in her day, everything that she's seen, everything that she's done. And it helps remind her that she's not crazy. Yeah. And that the monks haven't been here forever. Right. What'd you think about that aspect? This is this is the aspect that I would have liked to have seen brought in earlier. The whole well, idea about her mom. Well, I, I I mean, they addressed it earlier in the season, but then they went several episodes without even bringing it up at all. I mean, it's it hasn't been brought... Her mother hasn't been brought up since the doctor gave her those pictures for Christmas. Right, right. And um, all of a sudden, she comes back in in such a way that it just, you know, hits you upside the head. And I'm like, well, it would have been nice to have seen her talk about her mom periodically. Or even seen something uh, similar to what we saw with Rose, where she asks the doctor why she couldn't go back to visit her mother before she died or something and, and let him make an explanation to her as to why that's not a good idea based mm -hmm. on past events or whatever, you know, right. Just some kind of passing situation where she gets brought up, you know, in the conversation would have been helpful. Exactly. It would have been, but as it is, it just sort of comes out of nowhere and it, it's there. It, it works fine. I would have just preferred to have had this thread not dropped. Because right. it seemed like early on they were, you know, really saying this is important. And they kind of mentioned it in the episode Knock Knock, where she, you know, puts the picture of her mom up on the wall and right. says something real quick to it. But other than that, we haven't had really no. any discussion about Bill's mother, and not even at all in this trilogy. No. So, well, see, when this came up, I almost started wondering if this was something that was implanted into her head by the monks to make her think she was actually talking to her dead mother, you know, who was supposed to be still alive. Well, and of course, you know, every time she, you know, goes to resist the thoughts of, you know, the monks being there forever, we get that, you know, sort of staticky overlay, right. you know, of one of these propaganda videos that sort of like pops into her mind and she has to resist it. And this happens all throughout the episode. Right. And so it makes you wonder, is this another simulation too? You know, I'm like, what's <laughs> actually true here? That being said, let's get to Bill's test. Because Nardole finds her six months later. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he goes to her house. I love the scene. I knew it was Nardole to begin with when, you know, someone started <laughs> coming in the door. I was like, I, this has got to be Nardole. I knew it was Nardole. She's on edge. She thinks the thought police are coming for her. And she's got a, a stool ready to beat him over the head with. Right. <laughs> you hear him come into the house. She bursts around the corner yelling and raising the stool. And they just stand there yelling at each other, screaming. They both scream like girls. Yes, in terror <laughs> at each other. Um, <laughs> it was great. And I was like, yep, this is Nardole. This is wonderful. <laughs> and so Nardole begins to tell Bill his plan, what he's been up to. Of course, he was out of commission for six weeks because of the infection that he got. Six weeks. I've been here for six months. What have you been doing? Oh, now, hold on, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and he tells her where the doctor is. He's yeah. on this prison ship that has to come back towards the mainland for supplies here in the next couple of days. We need to get on there so we can get in and rescue him and we'll find right. out what he's doing. This What's was a nice little touch to the episode. I thought this was a fun little undercover kind of spy mission. Kind yes. Of do, 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 do. Okay. So, of course, they go in. 
they're almost caught because they're asked for papers and they don't have the proper papers. She's still down as a, you know, lunch lady at the school and Nardal doesn't have papers <laughs> at all. At all. <laughs> and thankfully they don't get to be asked for papers because <laughs> guess who shows up? A monk. Right. <laughs> I kind of expected that monk to recognize uh Bill I, yeah. on the ship. <laughs> I mean he looks very hard at her. Yeah. <laughs> And then just sort of leaves. Yeah. I mean, well, she had a different hairstyle, but I mean, it wasn't enough to hide who she was. I mean, are you sure? Because maybe to them, we all look the same. (laughs) They are half dead. (laughs) I mean, we do all, we do all have eyes and hair and, you know, (laughs) right. (laughs) And much fewer wrinkles than they do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, most of us anyways. Oh man, that <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that happened, and they managed to avoid the monk, and they make their way through the prison ship and find the doctor in his little prison office thing. <laughs> but then we get to the big fake out, and not this was not just a fake out for Bill. This is a fake out for us. This made me angry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Bill is told that the doctor has completely joined the monks. He's completely gone over 100% because it's the only way to keep Earth safe and to keep people from getting themselves in trouble again. And he's tired of having to come in and rescue them all the time. And this is the only way that they're going to be able to stay safe without his direct influence. And he convinces her that he's not actually working against the monks. He's working for them. So she pulls out a gun from one of the, the guards in the room yeah, and shoots the doctor. He yeah. falls down and begins to regenerate and then goes, psych, and says, well done, Bill. You passed the test. I had to make sure you weren't actually working for the monks. Yeah. And Bill's like, what? And I mean, I, I was watching this going, how are they going to get out of this? How are they going to do this? He's starting to regenerate. What is going to happen? And then, then he's just like. Ta-da! It was all a big joke. And, you know, he even goes, you think the regeneration was a bit much? And Naruto goes, maybe just a little bit. And I can just hear all the fans going, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. You dirty rat. No, you know? <laughs> when we got to the point where she shot him and then it cut to commercial, yeah. I was looking at my wife and I was going, what the what? What? She? He just got shot by his own companion, you know, uh-huh. and she was going, yes, he did. <laughs> and, and I said, this has never happened before. So I'm thinking, OK, we're going to see at least the starting phases of his regeneration at this point. And mm-hmm. so it comes back and I'm on the edge of my seat and it literally was like, I just wanted to throw something at my TV. <laughs> yeah. The doctor oh, it made me so angry. The doctor <laughs> faked everybody out. Oh. He faked everyone out, including us. You know, specifically the audience. Oh. Specifically your hosts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, let's get real. It's not about you guys anymore. It's about us. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> you know, like, everybody else is just kind of there, you know. Right, right. right. <laughs> No, I mean, I, oh. I I sat there sort of dumbfounded for a minute, but then I just sort of started laughing because 
at that point, it's either laugh or cry, and I didn't have the energy to cry, so I just laughed and went, okay, I guess he's playing a joke on all of us, you know? No, this was Stephen Moffat's way of saying, I am leaving at the end of this season, and I am going to screw with everybody's head as much as I feel like it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what this was. And, oh, normally I'm a big supporter of Stephen Moffat. I, you know, I, I really enjoy his writing, the whole nine yards. There's been very few times where I actually said, you know, I'm really not digging what he's doing with the show. This really made me angry. I'm sorry. It just made me angry. And I think it kind of messed up my enjoyment of some of this episode. I'm just going to be honest about it. Well, <laughs> let's move on to someone who you like talking about. Uh, Missy. Yes. The doctor and Bill have to go talk to Missy because she's the only one almost as smart as the doctor who might have an idea of how to stop the monks. So they go into the vault. Nardle doesn't. Uh, you know, Nardle will not touch the vault with a tw- 39 and a half foot pole. <laughs> you know, he's, he's staying as far away from her as possible, which I don't blame him. <laughs> but Missy's awesome. Missy will kill you. And she claims to be trying to become good. Um, and we'll talk about that more towards the end of the episode. Yeah. But basically, she goes into the whole discussion of, yes, she's faced the monks before. And the only way that she could really stop them, you know, because they are amplifying the their version of the truth through the person who gave them the ability to be here. Right. Which is, of course, Bill. And it's being amplified through all these statues that they've erected all over the world. And it lulls them into complacency and it imprints these memories into everybody's head of them being there forever and ever and ever. Amen. And it just, you know, because if this whole thing is normal, then no one really needs to resist. That's the kind of the point, right? That this is how it's always been. People aren't going to get mad enough to resist and change it. And then when they've completely stripped the planet of all its resources, then they just leave it destitute and move on. Yeah. And so Missy says the best way to stop this is to take out the linchpin, which is, of course, Bill. Of course, she doesn't know that when she's saying this. <laughs> no, she doesn't. And then, of course, Bill goes, it's me. And she goes, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but you you kind of get the idea that she says awkward for the doctor's benefit. But she's actually kind of like, oh, this just gets better and better, doesn't it? Well, she says that she's doing this. Because she wants to become good. She's saying this. She's telling them that she wants to help them by giving them this information because she wants to become good. And you want to believe her. You do. But it is the master. Right. You know. Um, And, you know, in her mind, as a, a genius would probably think in a lot of these types of situations, it's acceptable to sacrifice one to save billions. Yes. And now, now the question, I mean, after, even after it's revealed that it's Bill, she still pushes the issue. She's like, no, this is the best way. It's actually better if you don't completely die, but if you just kind of stop functioning, because that ends it better for us, you know, and she continues to go on into detail about it. Of course, this gets the doctor angry at her. The gist of it being that they would still be stuck using Bill, even though Bill was brain dead and they couldn't transfer it to another person. Exactly. And the doctor gets very angry and irritated and frustrated and upset and tells Missy, no, we'll find some other way. Right. And Missy's like, good luck with that. This is the only way. (laughs) And they leave her there with her piano in the middle of the vault. 
Well, I like the way they play this because, you know, a lot of times people forget that the master has had adventures as well. Yes. I've had adventures as well. And let's be honest, we see the master as a villain all the time, but the master in his mind would be the hero of his own story. And so in his adventure, you know, he might not do the heroic thing, but he's still the hero of his own story. Mm -hmm. So in his mind, uh, whatever he has to do to fix the problem at hand is acceptable as long as he ends up the winner. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Of course, they try and formulate another plan. Doctor's going to, you know, try and take over the connection and, you know, use his mind to counter the monks. And so they have to invade the pyramid to do that. They launch this assault. Things go slightly weird and awry, but they do manage to get to the control center. Yeah. Just a weird kind of quirky little thing. Did you notice that at least a large portion of the monks had different color robes in this episode mm -hmm. than what they had in the first two? Yeah, we were seeing some more of the minions, I think. Yeah, uh, because the first two, you saw them all basically wearing red. Yeah. And a lot of them in this are wearing kind of a gold, yellow, almost orangey kind of color. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The red ones, I'm guessing, are the leaders, the leadership there. We see them, but, you know, they're not the, the ones that are out walking around and, you know, investigating and stuff. So um, they're, they're the ones that are sort of in charge, back at high command, sort of speak. Bill, Nardle, and the Doctor are there. And there's, of course, one of these monks who looks even older and more decrepit than any of the others, who's sitting in this sort of control chair with all these giant projections up, you know, in the pyramid around him of the propaganda and he's sort of the the control node for all these going out see this was a little disappointing for me because of the fact that i wanted so badly for this to have some kind of a connection with mondas <laughs> because in my mind i was thinking okay he's already wearing this headpiece why not just you know create this thing in the shape of the top of the cyberman's head where it has the the bar going across the top and whatnot, just so that this would be kind of a foreshadowing of, you know, this be being the Mondasians, you know, uh, you, you <laughs> wouldn't even have to give any kind of, you know, a, uh, a, a glint of information at all. If you did that, because people w would look at that and go, Oh, I see what you did there. You know, <laughs> the problem is so with the doctor. Yeah. That's the problem. So would the doctor. Yeah. And he'd be like, oh, and then the episode would take a yeah. completely different turn. <laughs> now, the doctor tries to take hold of this this thing and force his mind into it to take over and to project the real truth right. back out there. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. Monkey the Monk Monk uh, fights back very hard and is more than a match for the doctor and his motivation. Because it's all about motivation right. and purity of of intent with these people and so when bill goes well it's up to me i'm the only one who who can do this i have to do this doctor and the doctor of course says no to which he's kind of tied up and put out of the way for a minute while bill <laughs> nardle helped her tie him up <laughs> yep yep so that she can step up and and take hold of this this headpiece thing and of course the monk fights back almost takes over but the last piece of her mind that she can hold on to is the thought of her mother and that's the you know a pure thought completely you know born out of love and she manages to hold on to that to keep herself there 
without, you know, going completely brainwashed. Right. And the doctor is able to have her hold on to that and to focus on that, which gives her the strength to overpower the monks and project that pure thought out into the world, which sort of breaks the trance, breaks the spell that the monks have been putting on everybody. And you almost, you're almost left with the idea of, you know, everyone starts realizing this and there's monks sort of standing around going, oh crap, oh bad, oh dear. But it doesn't appear <laughs> that anybody really does much killing because then the pyramid, of course, everybody sort of says goodbye and the pyramid takes off. Well, there are people chasing after a couple of these monks and there are people shooting at a couple of them, but it's very, in the, in the larger scheme of things, it's very anticlimactic. It is. But this is more, you know, this isn't about the, you know, world building epic action saving stuff. This is more about, now this is the really, you know, the true thing. It goes all the way back to Veritas. What is the truth? Right. And that's that's the main point of this. The crux of this whole storyline is truth. What is truth? And, you know, is there a way to determine what that is? According to, you know, the doctor here, it's pure intention born out of love. The pyramid, of course, takes off and we're left with a world who's completely forgotten that the monks existed because the monks wiped their minds of their, them being there. And yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but there's one other thing that happens at the end of the episode that I want to get to, but okay. it has nothing to do with the monks. So any further thoughts on the monks and the way this was wrapped up? Well, there's a lot of questions that came up for me throughout these three episodes that I felt like we did not get an, a resolution to at all. The, there were, the mystery deepened in the second episode more and more and more about these monks and, and their technology and the different ways that they could see uh, the possible futures and all of this kind of stuff. And nobody gave you any information about anything. You literally end the first two parts with no information about these guys at all. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're going to get to this third part and we're going to get a resolution as to you know what's going on with some of these mysteries. And so I'm anticipating some of these revelations. You know, you don't have to answer every single question, but answer enough of them to give you an idea of what is actually going on, you know. And we get into this episode and I'm like, OK, are, are you going to reveal anything mm-hmm. <laughs> or are you going to reveal anything? <laughs> you know, so I'm going through this whole episode and I'm asking myself, when are you going to reveal something about this villain? You know, <laughs> yeah, well, they don't. I mean, the monks yeah. are very much uh, a <laughs> mysterious entity the entire time. We yeah. know what they do. They can, you know, predict and project um, these simulations in yeah. order to take over the world. We do know they have some supernatural powers of some sort. And we do know that they've done this before. They've done, they're, they're very much a parasitic type of creature. And they've done this before. And when, you know, they're resisted, they just pick up and leave and move on to the next world. And see, for me, know? this was one of the reasons why I was having more of an issue when we got to the third part of this this trilogy is because it made me kind of angry that we didn't get any information at all about this villain. It was literally like almost like a throwaway in my mind because you got nothing, nothing, no, no resolution at all. And, and I... I've never really experienced that in a Doctor Who villain, to be perfectly honest about it. We've, we've well, always gotten something. You well, know? Uh, maybe. I mean, the other possibility is, is that they might encounter them again. And we'll get more information then. 
I personally don't need as much of a resolution to who and what and where and why these guys are here. Because we already have the situation. We know what their goal is, largely speaking, to just sort of take over and rule. We know how they do it. We have to figure out why. And and I think we're sort of seeing this very much on a, you know, almost a foot soldier perspective. We're seeing this all from Bill's perspective. We don't really know everything the Doctor knows. This is definitely, uh, especially uh, The Lie of the Land, is an episode that takes place from Bill's perspective. Right. And so we don't know all the details that the Doctor might know or might have discovered. We don't necessarily need to know that in order to know that we need to stop them and, you know, that we have to figure out how to stop them. I don't, I guess I just got so used to knowing things that we know, like, about the, the Daleks and the Cybermen and... You know, even the Sandmen, we know we know more about them than we do these guys, you know, and well, and they had one episode, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, the Sandmen was a, you know, creation that came to yeah. life and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> so we kind of already knew somewhat about them because they were created in the same episode that they were, yeah. you know, monsters in. Now, with the Daleks and the Cybermen, there's so much that we know about them because they've been around for so long. Yeah. Um, so the monks are uh, a group of villains who I could see showing up again, you know, maybe not in this same fashion, but um, I th- I could see them showing up again. So maybe we'll get more about them later. That being said, Missy comes back for one more scene. The yeah. doctor is in the vault sitting there with her and she's contemplating all the people she's killed. And she's crying. She's crying about it. Yeah. And she's like, this hurts. Is this, is this, you know, right? Is this good? And the doctor goes, yes. This is good. But you also see him look very suspiciously at her, like, is this genuine? And then <laughs> she even and, tells him, if I'd known about this part, I don't think I would have made this decision. You know, right. right. <laughs> and then she goes, all right. And she continues on. Thinking, yeah. Because then she starts, you know, tear, tears start falling down the other side of her face. Yeah. And that's kind of where the episode ends. And you're like, Missy. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Now I have a theory. Okay. I think John Sim is coming back to slap some sense back into Missy. You think so? I, I think he's going to revolt <laughs> against his future self. And he's going to say, yeah, you're not going to be good. And um, <laughs> I could see where uh, Missy might sacrifice herself to save the doctor from herself. Mm-hmm. But the master will continue on just as evil as he always has been. Because when the regeneration happens... Uh, the Swiss cheese memory and stuff will happen just like it does with the doctor. And there you go. Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I think John Sim is going to come back as sort of a, uh, you know, crisis of conscience in revolt. It's an interesting way to look at it. <laughs> against what, what Missy is doing right now, because there's no way this is going to last. There's no way this can this can last, can it? I still want my theory to be correct about the master, though. I really do. I really want to see <laughs> John Sim's master come back and uh, put an end to Missy because he doesn't want to have her continue in that direction and then basically mind wipe her and have her regenerate into Derek Jacoby. That's what I want to happen. <laughs> That's what they need to make happen so that John Sim can come back as the current master, not just the past master. And that way we can have him for at least one more season. <laughs> I think that would be fantastic. John Sim was crazy. <laughs> he was crazy good as the master. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> Michelle Gomez has been fantastic. And oh, I want to see someone else. I just think this would be something they've never done before. And I think that that would be so fun to see something like that happen. 
Especially if the master did it to himself. Sometimes there's a reason why it's never been done before. <laughs> that, I oh, think that man. would be fantastic. That's just I, my opinion. It would, have been, it would be very interesting. Be very interesting if that happens. I don't think it's going to happen, <laughs> and I'm not on board with that. But, but yeah, no, I. Uh, I, but there's no way. There's no way Missy turning good can last, right? Tell me, I'm not crazy there. Well, we've seen weirder things happen, but I, I honestly don't. I think something will happen. I, I think it might be a temporary thing. I, I mean, we already know that Michelle Gomez says she's not coming back after this this series. Um, I think it might be a temporary yeah. thing, but I think that ultimately something will happen, even if we go for another series or two where the master is heading in this direction. I think ultimately something will happen that will cause the master to lash out in rage and become the master that he's always been. That's just my opinion. We'll see. <laughs> uh, we've only got four more episodes left in the oh. season, so we're fast coming up on the end here. Well, there's no rule that says that, that the master can't try to change for a, you know, a set amount of time. Did, you know, we don't have to. This doesn't have to be a one or two episode arc as far as the master goes. I mean, this could be a season or two uh, arc as far as his character goes. But I don't think anybody really ultimately wants to see a permanent change like that for the the master. No, no, I, you're right. Um, I don't think so. Oh man, but there you go. Uh, all right, let, let's get some wrap up discussion here going. You had a couple of questions. Do you want to get to? Do you think we will see these monks back? end this season no well mm, that's a good question um <laughs> if we do it might be with the cybermen i don't know uh you I'm, know I'm, i kind of like i kind of like your cybermen yeah. theory that connects the monks and the cybermen but I, I the likelihood i would say no my initial response is no now the possibility of them coming back of course there's always a possibility but right. we've we've sort of run out this storyline well i do know that um, they were talking uh, about some of the behind-the-scenes things with these particular villains. Um, and the people that were working on set specifically said their real name is not the monks. Steven has a specific name for these villains that he's not using in the episode. And for that reason, even on set, we just simply call them the monks because he knows who these people are, but he doesn't want the viewers to know who these people are. Well... And you know Stephen Moffat uh, <laughs> would not want to let something like that lie untouched, and especially right. if he's leaving. <laughs> now the question is, could they show up for the Christmas special? That would be an interesting thing. Yeah. That, I think, is more likely. Because it's Stephen's final hurrah. If he's created one more big villain for the Doctor you know, in this season, he's going to end it on a big note. They've already got the Cybermen planned for the finale. You know the Master and, and Missy are probably going to be in that story there with them. I think throwing the monks on top of that gate get lost in the shuffle. So the monks, I think, will probably show back up for the Christmas special. Just this season alone, he's already created one new villain that I really, really liked. The 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 the, the Harmony Shoals is a fantastic villain in my mind. I, I really, really love those those guys. I think they're creepy as is all get out, and it just oh to see them carry over from the the Husbands of River song was fantastic. You know. Um, so we, we've already Stephen's already given us the silence. He's already given us the weeping angels. He's already given us, uh, you know, all of these new villains. And this is just another villain that he's brought to the table that I think could be a, a, an ongoing lasting thing. Uh, unfortunately, we don't know that much about them. You know, <laughs> no, we don't. And, and that's something where, you know, 
Stephen Moffat would want to bring them back in order to explain a little bit more of that. Um, I don't think he wants to explain a lot more of that be- about them because they are mysterious right. and they're more dangerous that way. We still don't know that much about the Weeping Angels, to be perfectly honest about it, though. We have no idea where their actual origins came from. No, and, or the silence. We know that, that one of their jobs is these priests, these confessioners for the um, – oh, I forget the church's name there at the uh, – you know. Matt Smith's, you know, naked scene, final episode. <laughs> mm. Still one of the weirdest things they've ever done. I know, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, the church of the papal mainframe, the church of the papal mainframe. That's what it is. Um, I can't believe he showed oh up God. at Clara's Christmas party in the buff, you know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> to go naked. Yeah. Clara's grandmother really liked that. <laughs> yes, she did. Awkward. Um, yeah. Let's forget about that. And let's start wrapping this up. Let's do quick ratings on each of these individual episodes. Then let's talk about the trilogy as a whole and give a rating on the trilogy as a whole. Okay. So I'll start uh, real quick. Pyramid at the end of the world. I really enjoyed. I thought the whole build up to the doctor, you know, getting his sight back was good. I'm still, you know, I still can remember watching this and going, just use video chat. But <laughs> that being said, I'm going to give this uh, that a nice solid eight. Oh, what are we doing? Pyramids, I suppose. Yes, eight pyramids. Okay, we'll do eight pyramids. Um, <laughs> and then for the lie of the land, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I was able to move past and just sort of roll with the uh, the sucker punch of the the fake regeneration. <laughs> um, and I just sort of laughed with the doctor at the whole situation. And so I, I'm going to give the lie of the land. Uh, it's not quite as good. I don't think as um, pyramid at the end of the world, I'm still going to give it a seven and a half though. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and, and, and I like the whole, you know, the whole point of this was, you know, what is truth? It's not really about the monks. It's not really about the invasion. It's like, you know, how do we determine what truth is? Right. So, right. Okay. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with eight pyramids as well, okay? For a pyramid at the end of the world? Yes. I'm going to go with okay. eight pyramids as well uh, because I really, really liked what they did with it. Um, I wasn't as happy with it as I was the first episode, but only because of the fact that the first episode was such a departure, you know, from what we were used to seeing. And, yeah. and so I kind of expected the rest of it to be sort of the same type of thing where it was going to be this major departure. And to a certain extent, it was, but not as much as I thought it was going to be. But that being said, it was still a really good story, still really well done. And to be perfectly honest, I, I really would have been just as happy had they resolved it at the end of the pyramid at the end of the world, just because of how well I thought that story was told. And especially since you did get the nice big explosive ending, you know, mm. but uh, then, of course, we went into to, to the third part. And with the lie of the land, uh, I wasn't like just completely disappointed with it. Like I know some people were saying oh, it, it was disappointing. It was you know, it was this. It was that it, to me. It wasn't completely disappointing as much. It was as it was just I think I, I had built it up so much in my head that it didn't live up to my personal expectation if that makes sense mm-hmm. uh, and and so yeah, i know part of that's going to be my own fault part of it's you know it just is what it is but i think because well because i 
have had such an issue with trying to get past the prank of the doctor. <laughs> and, and because it wasn't as climactic as what I would have really liked to have seen in a three-parter, uh, because uh, even with the, the, the three-parter that we had uh, last series at the end of the season, it, it was much more uh, – I mean, yes, it was very cerebral and, and, and everything, but it still kind of felt like that it had a little bit of a kicker ending to it, if you, if you know what I mean. Well, we can't have that yet because we still have four episodes left <laughs> in the season. <laughs> We've got an explosive finale coming up. Well, I, ju- I wasn't meaning for the entire season finale. I'm talking about for the, right. for the three-parter in general. You know? Right. But, but that being said – Yes, it had some things that I really, really loved about it. It had a couple of things that I was a little bit more meh about. Uh, I'm going to go with hmm, what's fair. I'm going to go with a seven. Okay. I'm going to go with a seven because I don't want to go into the six and a half territory because that is more of meh, you know. And so it wasn't meh for me. It was more of I wish it had been even more. Gotcha. You know. Okay. All right. Uh, so let's talk about this real quickly as a whole trilogy. Um, so we have Extremis, we have Pyramid at the End of the World, and we have The Lie of the Land. And this creates an Ice Little Monk trilogy. Right. And so we're going to have to rate this monks, I suppose. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we could rate it Nardo Body Parts. <laughs> mm. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> that's just awkward. Um <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> this trilogy kind of felt a bit like a comic book story to me. And here's why. Uh, we have not only uh, the initial storyline, the primary storyline where we have these villains that are, you know, secretly, you know, working on infiltrating the earth. They're creating this simulation in order to really discover how best to take over. Then they put that into uh, effect and we have to stop them. Uh, we have that whole main primary story. But we also are introduced to an ongoing story that did not end with this trilogy, that being Missy. You know, we get the whole backstory about her and the vault at the very beginning. Uh, we also learn why Nardol is really there uh, to help remind the Doctor and keep the Doctor honest with his vow to protect this thing, right? Uh, this vault. Jiminy Cricket. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that he's been sent by River to do so. <laughs> and he should stay around next season. Yes. Yes, he should. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he should, because he's very much tied with this doctor. I still um, think he should but, stay around next season. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about Nardle some other time. And and I like the whole thing, because, you know, the, the Missy storyline is still going. That's not going to get resolved until, uh, you know, the end of this series. So uh, I, I enjoyed the story. Um, I liked the intrigue as to us discovering who these, you know, these villains are out there. Uh, I liked the buildup of, you know, how they took over. And I, you know, the finale of the trilogy wasn't explosive. It wasn't as dynamic, but it is, in a sense, enlightenment. Um, And I thought that was an interesting way to have victory. It wasn't um, an explosive, ha, we took over. Now, you know, we took things back. We wiped them out. They're gone forever. No, it was more like an awakening. It was an enlightening. It was we've outwitted you. We've we're we've moved beyond you, and now you have no place here anymore. Sort of thing, which is an interesting way to do it, and I liked it. So I think on the whole, I'm going to rate the trilogy an eight. 
you know, uh, it's it's the average. It's the average from my my ratings of these three <laughs> episodes. I think uh, an eight, maybe eight and a quarter. You know, not quite eight and a half, but it's a good solid eight. It's a, I like the the trilogy as a whole. Um, I'm pleased with it. I'm I like the fact that we get that sort of thing kind of partway through the series and not save it just for the end. Right. So 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 eight you know. mummies and a head. Yes. <laughs> eight monks and head. Because <laughs> that's not morbid. What about you? <laughs> what are your overall thoughts, uh, final thoughts on this trilogy as a whole? Oh, I think all in all, it was it was really well done. Um, see, I look at this sort of the same way that I look at the Star Wars saga. And what I mean by that is you can pick it apart and say, I like this episode better than that episode or whatever. But if you take it as a whole, it's so much better looked at as the whole than it is mm-hmm. in the pieces. You see what I'm yes, saying? It is. And so... I think as a whole, this was ultimately successful. It was ultimately yes. well done. There, there's pieces in it that you can pick it apart and say, well, this is, you know, this could have been done better. That could have been done better. And that could have been said for anything, right? Yeah. But ultimately, you've got to look at it from the standpoint of was it ultimately successful? And yes, it was ultimately successful in what it was trying to accomplish. And that story as a whole is much stronger than the than the, the 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 sum of the pieces, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it an eight too. Uh, now cool. I, I would be uh, you know I would be uh, saying that the the beginning of it and the middle of it made up a lot for the ending for me, but I'm still gonna give it a solid eight. You know. Okay. Sounds good. Well. That was a lot. That was a lot to get through. We've been talking quite a bit. Of course, we pick, you know, two very dense episodes to have to squeeze into to one of our episodes. And we did hit the highlights. We did not go into heavy detail on this. <laughs> not not as many details no. as we definitely could have. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're going to be, you know, next week, um, we're getting away from a trilogy here uh we're going back to what appears to be a a standalone episode with the empress of mars i'm excited uh, return return <laughs> of the ice warriors which looks yes. to be very intriguing because we've got victorian british soldiers underground on mars <laughs> i'm really curious about that question huh do you think that we will see any of the pyramids of mars in this episode no no, no, it's a different story. I don't mean like, you know, the actual story of Pyramids of Mars. I just mean as far as atmospheric, you know, dressing uh, or whatever. Uh, well, maybe. They might slip it into the background somewhere. I think it'd be fun. The, you know, sirens. I would, I would flip my lid. I would be like, ah! <laughs> Yay! I think that would be fun. I also think it would be fun if we could see indications of the waters of Mars on this as well, just kind of little Easter eggs, you know? Yeah. Well, we'll see where in Mars's history this all takes place, but we're really looking forward to that. We also want your thoughts on the monks trilogy. So please leave your thoughts for us on our social media. Tell us what you think about the trilogy as a whole, uh, what you liked, what you didn't like. And we want to talk about that next episode as well. So you can do that on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash talking time lords. You can also find our group page through our Facebook page where we can get into all sorts of other discussions that have nothing to do with the episodes at hand as well. Um, so if you want to get, if you just have a burning doctor who question that you have to ask, 
go to our group page, ask it there. We'll talk about it there. <laughs> you can also tweet us at, at @talkingtimelord or email us at talkingtimelords at gmail.com. Links to all of our social media as well as links to all of our previously released episodes can be found on our website, talkingtimelords.com. Now, please, please leave us a rating review on iTunes. Please. Tune in, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you download our beautiful little podcast. Uh, otherwise, we're going to start having to um, project our thoughts into your minds and make you think that we've been here forever. <laughs> even though even though we've only just recently hit our two-year anniversary. Literally. We completely glossed <laughs> over that. We need to make sure at some point we go back and talk about the fact that we're hit two years um, as a podcast. Well, we just did. Yeah. They're, they're just <laughs> Well... <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, anything else, Paul, before we wrap this up? If you're interested in some Talking Time Lords merchandise, uh, whether it be a T-shirt, a sticker for your laptop, for your car, anything like that, you can find a link to our Talking Time Lords storefront on our website. Yes. Look for the big button on the right-hand side. And I'm about to update <laughs> it with a new image. So, you know, there's that. <gasps> so New <yeah>. flashy. <laughs> Click here. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And with that, I think we've, we've sort of spiraled out of control far enough. Let's, let's wrap this up. It's called having fun, Jason. It's called having fun. <laughs> well, it's also called we... Stay on target. Stay on target. Open up! There's our Star Wars reference for you folks. Let's end this episode of Talking Time Lords. Thank you everybody so much for listening. This has been episode number 73, Pyramid of Lies. Uh, for Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time, may you hope far-flung hopes and dream non-monk-infested dreams. Hmm. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderclack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts. Or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the show.
Hey, it works. <laughs> Brainwashing. <laughs> oh my god. You like my improv, don't you? <laughs> It caught me completely off guard. I was wondering if you were going to be doing um, and dream impossible dreams or dream masterful dreams because Missy was in this. And you went non-monk infested dreams. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bravo, good sir. It Bravo. Episode. It works for the episode. Yes, it does. <laughs> 